You know, I, I decided earlier this week that, um, that in spite of all the things that we talk about that God's done through this church, it might be a good reminder of who's in charge of this place. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, it doesn't take long in today's world to take a look at social media and just think to yourself, this world's just full of so much negativity. It's, it's everywhere. I mean, literally on the way in this morning, I just thought, I'm, sh- I'm turning mine off. I'm just done with it. I mean, I'm, I'm just done, at least till after the election, I just want to be done with it. I, I mean, there's so much negative garbage out there. Why do I want to invite that into my life when there's so much good to be had? And so literally, I just thought, let's just be done with it. So if you want to join me, you're welcome to just shut it down for a few weeks and just call it quits. And, and I invite you to. But I've also noticed, man, we live in a world with racial tension. We live in a world where, uh, you know, we, we're at war with law enforcement. We're, we're at war with politicians. We got politicians at war with each other. We got parties angry at everybody. We can't even agree on whether it's a pretty day or not. I mean, we're in a society where literally everything is just completely upside down, and it feels like it's just so stinking wrong. We have a great distrust in organizations. We, we, we literally have a global understanding or lack thereof of what's happening in the world. We have a growing degree of humanism and secularism and a certain post-Christian modern, modernism. And so what then should we do? Well, my suggestion would be let's, let's go take a look at what the scriptures have to say and see what Jesus would say that the church, what we ought to be doing right now as we're working through the middle of COVID-19, a, 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 a kind, a, a contentious season of our election, race relations, struggling economies, and everything else regarding COVID, what then shall we do? And I believe the scriptures tell us exactly what to do. Christ's way is the way we go. This is where we're to go. Now, to get a picture of that, let's understand that in the New Testament, the Greek translation, church, is the word ekklesia. And ecclesia is used in the New Testament to identify a community of believers in Jesus. Not just any gathering, but it literally means an assembly or a congregation or a, mint or a meeting. A similar term in Hebrew used in the Old Testament refers to the experiences such as the day of assembly or the Lord's congregation or meeting before the Lord. Now, Jesus said... In Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, here's the good news. It's Jesus' church. It's not mine, not yours. It's not the deacons. It's not the leaders. It's not the group leaders. It's not the community. It's, it's his church, not ours. We simply get to be a part of his church. This is him. And at no point did Jesus call this building his church. He called believers, followers of Jesus, his church. We are his church. So when Jesus says, I will build my church, then the assumption that would naturally follow is if he's the only one that can grow it and he's the only one that can build it, then he's the only one in charge of it. And all the powers of hell, it says, can't conquer it. Now, here's the good news. When you woke up this morning, God said, you're on the winning team. God said, if you, if you followed my son, if you trusted Jesus, you've already won. You already know you won. I mean, not two and a half quarters in did you play well. You played all four quarters and you won. You did the whole thing. Congratulations. This morning when you woke up, God said, let's go do something fun today. Let's go change the world. Now, it, those words spoken at that time didn't sound strange to people because they didn't have 
what we now know as a church. They knew the church was one another. And then when they heard Jesus say, all the powers of hell cannot conquer it, that should cause us to say, then let's charge the gates of hell because we know we can't win. So if this is the case, it's worth mentioning in the New Testament, there was never a time that the synagogue, the temple, the chapel, the tabernacle, or any other meeting place was called a church. It was always an assembly and a gathering of Christ believers. In Colossians 1.18, listen to what we read Paul saying, that Christ is also the head of the church. Just one more time, reinforcing, Jesus is in charge here. Pastor's not in charge, deacon's not in charge, finances aren't in charge, Jesus is in charge. He's the only one that matters. He's in charge of us. Now, I know we Americans like to think we're in charge, but Jesus is in charge. This is his church, he's over it all. It says he's the head of the church, which is his body which means the rest of us have a part to play. I mean, like I might be a pinky toe. We all have a part to play. I mean, some of you are a gallbladder. That's gross when you really think about it, isn't it? But we all have a role that we play. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Think about that. Jesus is second to nobody. He's in charge of everything. But Chuck, Chuck, what does that mean to me specifically here at Sugar Hill? What does that mean? And the great question is, what does it mean to me at an individual level? And the answer is, Jesus is in charge, period. There's no Jesus is in charge except for. It's Jesus is in charge. Well, here is what he gave us in Matthew 28, 18. And this is what he says that we're to do until he comes again. He says, I have been given all authority. Jesus has been given from God the Father. He's been given all the authority. God, the creator and sustainer of all life, gives to his son Jesus all the authority in heaven and here on earth. Now, remember what I said last week. Satan has power, but he has no authority over you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he does have a voice that you listen to, and he does have power, but he has no authority over you. Listen, if the Spirit of God is alive and well within you, meaning you have trusted Jesus truly as your Savior, he gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's alive within you, and he has already conquered sin and Satan and death. You've already won, so don't give in to what is power, knowing that Jesus alive in you already has all the authority. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore, because of everything I just said, therefore... Go and make disciples of all the nations. That's what Matteo became, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, somebody that went from darkness to light, someone who went from hopelessness to hope, someone who went from death to life. And so go and make disciples of all the nations, then baptize them like little Ellie was in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you didn't cry during that video, you may not be alive. Was that kid, I mean, what a great story to when, when she, when she, I just want to thank my family. And I'm telling you, man, I heard that and I thought, I love that kid. And then he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. You are here on God's authority. Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. You can always count on me. I'm there for you. Jesus has been given all authority 
and then grants it to you by way of the Spirit of God within you and chose me and you to be a part of his work. Make new disciples, baptize them, teach them, and here's the cherry on the Sunday. He is with us right here, right now, and never leaves us. Matthew 16, 18 says, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What is the it? His church. Who is the church? You as followers of Jesus. All the powers of hell cannot conquer you. And you might be saying, well, Chuck, it feels like I'm getting conquered right now. Well, listen to me, friend. That, that's temporary. But what's eternal is the gates and the powers of hell cannot stand against you because Christ has authority over Satan. He has, a, he has authority in your life. Sugar Hill Church isn't here to be a club for Christians, like a rotary club or a country club. We're not here to have a place of rules and regulations and single-minded, like-minded, mindless believers. We're here to charge the gates of hell, to literally kick them down and beat Satan out of our community through the power of God and the commitment and dedication and obedience of his children as we go to work. You see, the goal is not to get more people in the room. The goal is to get the people in the room more active out of the room. The goal is not for us to figure out how large can we grow, but how big a heart can we grow so that God might choose to use us to change this world in his name. Remember, Jesus said that he, not we, are in charge. And General Jesus says under his authority, we're to charge hell wide open with all of his authority that he has given us. Not to condemn the world, but to love the world. Listen to what John 3, 17 had to say. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to do what? Save the world through him. Have you ever heard somebody say, I was at a meeting and -and so-and-so saved me? That person may have shared Christ with you, but they didn't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Well, I was at this meeting, this preacher preached and he saved me. That preacher didn't save you. He made you aware of the power of Jesus that could save you. You can say, well, somebody prayed me into heaven. Well, somebody prayed you into Jesus who lets you into heaven. It is under his authority that everything happens in the life of the church. And he does that not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And how does he choose to do that? Through love, sweet love. That's that's why we can't afford to live our life in the middle of negativity out on social media when we've got all of the powers of heaven and earth right here living within us in the presence of the Spirit of God given to us by the Son of the living God so that we might live For him, Jesus declared that building or edifying the church is something he would do personally. I will build my church, he said. That he would build the church. But he also chooses every day to use us, to take the church and use us. One of the most well-known metaphors is the body of Christ. He is the head. We've all got a role. We've all got a part to charge hell with. Now you say, but Chuck, but I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. I don't charge anything. Then I would encourage you to talk with another introvert. And you might say, well, I don't really talk. I kind of grunt. I would find a fellow grunter. And then let the Spirit of God do that. Can you imagine that talk at Starbucks? Mm. And before long, somebody said, yeah, I thought Jesus was, I thought it was just me. And you say, well, Chuck, can God do that? Absolutely. You take one grunt and he'll take the next five, right? Like if you're one of those people who talks to a fence post, go practice on a fence post. 
But whatever you do, recognize he's the head. You're part of the body. And according to Paul, every believer, every part of the body has a role to play. Okay, but Chuck, how do we do that? Well, here's the formula, all right? Guys, you put that up on the screen. Here's the formula. If we learn to pray more and we add to it that we might serve people more, then we earn the right to share more so that we can all grow more, which allows us to reach more. And if you'll notice, the bottom line is that we have less church and more Jesus. You see, I don't think the world has a problem with Jesus. The world has a problem with the church that doesn't act like the church. And if we could get rid of the church being in the way of Jesus, that I believe we'd have more and more people that would recognize, I want Jesus to pray more and serve more and share more and grow more and reach more so we could have more of him and less of us. You say, well, how did Jesus go about teaching the first church? If, how are we supposed to go back to the first century, kind of like a back to the future kind of church? Well, Jesus did it through miracles and parables and teaching. Things like water into wine and feeding fire mother-in-law being healed and leper being healed in Mark 1 or all of nature stopping in Matthew chapter 8 or the paralytic being being healed in Matthew 9 or the Roman ruler's daughter in Matthew chapter 9 or deafness in Mark 7 or a boy plagued by mental illness in John 9 or Lazarus being raised from the dead and so many more. Listen, friend, here's what Jesus said in John 14 verse 12. He said, I tell you the truth. Now listen, when Jesus says that, when Jesus says anywhere in the scriptures, I tell you the truth, he's saying it because he knows some of us don't believe it yet. All right, now watch this. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he's reminding you and I that there's a time or a place where we didn't believe it. And he says, I want you to listen up. I tell you the truth, he says, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done in greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So let's take a look at the three quick parts in here. Number one, all of us who believe in Jesus will carry on his work. Number two, in some wonderful way, we will all do something greater than the works of Jesus. And you say, well, that doesn't sound right, Chuck. Well, stick with me. And then number three, as a means to that end, we all have access in prayer to Jesus today to everything we need. We can ask for and receive it. Remember the equation, though. Pray more plus serve more plus share more plus grow more plus reach more equals less church more Jesus. When I look at that, I remind myself, this is what the church is inevitably trying to do. Get to where it's less about us and more about him. It's like John the Baptist had to say, we need less of us and more of him. The world doesn't need more Chuck. If anything, the world needs to be rid of Chuck and have all of Jesus. The world doesn't need more of me and it probably doesn't need more of you, but it does need more of Jesus through us. And when we see that, we know that this is the goal, that we carry on the work of Jesus. Like this morning, literally, like I mentioned a minute ago, when you woke up, God said, come on, I've already fully loaded your life to accomplish everything that I want you to do today. The question is, will you obey me and will you follow King Jesus? It's a promise to every believer that he, we get to continue on in his work. The text says that anyone who believes on my work. Believers, pure and simple, will do We have all seen this exact phrase before. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
John 7, 38, whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John eleven twenty five, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 14 or John 12, 46, whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. In other words, that's the way normal Christianity is supposed to work. If you're not being used by God on a day-by-day basis to charge the gates of hell, to make a difference for the cause of Christ, one of two things is true. Either A, you've never ever trusted your life to Christ and given Christ full control of your life. Because the minute you surrender and give your life to Christ, the Spirit of God enters into your soul. And it could be that you think that you gave your life to Christ somewhere, you walked an aisle somewhere, but you never fully trusted Christ. And today would be a great day to settle that and be done to ensure that the Spirit of God is working in your life. Or B, it could be that you gave your life to Christ and you truly meant it, but you have squelched that Spirit of God for so many years that you've just beaten him down and beaten him down and beaten him down. And now you've chosen to listen to the voice of Satan rather than following the direction of God. It's one of two. And, and, and you don't live in between. It's one or the other. We, as Jesus did, meet people's needs, more needs than ever before right now. That's why being out of debt's a big deal. That's why serving people and packing backpacks and making sure the kids get Christmas and serving our schools, and that's why all that's a big deal. It's just like going to Itch Mule. Down there where, where Mission House is at, those little churches and those little villages, they go in and they have a small team of people that go door to door and start sharing Jesus. But as they do, they meet every person's needs they can. And they earn the right in today's post-Christian society to meet somebody's needs and share with them the hope of Christ. By the way, that sounds exactly what the church, first century church did. When Jesus came into a town, what did he did? Would you like to see? Here, let me help you see. Now you have a life that has not only eyesight, but your soul has been set free. To have you see this over and over again, that we have less rules, more freedom. Less me, more we. Less us, more him. Less church, more Jesus. I mean, this is a good, good formula as we carry on the work of Jesus. Secondly, that we do greater works. Now you might be sitting here and think, well, Chuck, listen, that sounds like blasphemy. None of us can do better than Jesus. And you're right. We can't, but there's one thing that we can do that Jesus never did. Now watch this. There's one thing we can do that Jesus never did. Jesus didn't have to impart to himself the Spirit of God. He left that as a gift for us. And as he did, we then get to do his works and even greater thing. You know what's greater about that? Watch this. What's even greater about all of that is that he picked you And he said, I'm going to give you my spirit, and I'm going to let you do those great works. And you're going to do it in my name, under my banner. That's greater than. And you see, what are those greater works? Well, friend, listen. When when your works of love and your message of life and union with Christ come together, they point people to the glory of the risen Son of God. And that's charging the gates of hell. You say, well, okay, Chuck, the first part of the text was all of us who believe in Jesus carry on his work. The second part is that we all get to do something greater. But the third part is where I get excited about. (coughs) Everything we need, we can ask for and receive. John 16, 23 says this, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. There's only one condition 
that you ask in the name of Jesus. Have you ever wondered at the end of the prayer, is it just repetition? Is it something we learn that we finish? You say, in the name of Jesus, amen. When you say, in the name of Jesus, when you claim your prayer in the name of Jesus, what you're really saying is, whatever I just prayed, I am submitting that request under the banner and the will of Christ Jesus. And when our will gets in line with his will, there is a combustible power that happens and those prayers explode. You say, well, Chuck, you mean that when I ask in the name of Jesus that I'm surrendering my will to his and when I surrender in obedience my will to his, everything I need is available to me? Absolutely. That's what Jesus promised. But don't forget this. He didn't promise that he was a nickel and dime store and you could ask for a bag of candy. He said, when you ask in my name. I am so confident that the Holy Scriptures point us to pray hard, to serve well, to share bold, to share truth, and to grow much. But more and more and more is in the name of Jesus. That's inclusion. Jesus says, I give you the Holy Spirit, I give you the power of the crucified and risen Christ, and now I promise you, you can ask for anything. That is, for his fame and not ours. According to his wisdom, his might, his power, and his pleasure, not ours. That's why Imagine Zero, Imagine More is a big deal. That's why providing Christmas for these kids in Mexico is a big deal. That's why those, those Christmas shoe boxes are a big deal. That's why those backpacks and the work in the schools are a big deal. That's why going over the PATH project is a big deal. All of these things are because we're charging hell wide open because we can pray even bigger prayers. We can serve even bigger communities. We can share with more people. We can grow more mature followers of Jesus. We can reach far more people in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Sugar Hill Church. So we can change the world, not with a bigger church, but with a bigger heart. We're not gonna change the world with putting more people in this building, I promise you. Mega churches for for decades have believed the way you change the world is get seats filled with more people who give more money. But I'm telling you, that is not how the first century church exploded on the scene. It exploded on the scene because lives were radically powered through the presence and the power of Jesus and they took him at face value and they went out and they charged the gates of hell because they knew his power had changed his life. So we can change the world in the power of Christ. I say, let's swing for the fences. Let's charge hell with a passion that's held firm in the knowledge that Jesus, the son of the living God, promised that we can, and then we will. And by God's grace and by, by his power, let's roll. Let's be some, some place that says, I trust the power of God. I trust that he hears my prayers. I trust that he can use me. I know that he's living within me. I know the spirit of God wants us to move, and let's do it. Listen, church, I love you. I love you. But come on, let's do this. Let's don't play. Let's, let's don't get fired up because we had more people at church. Let's get fired up because we went out and served more people and loved more people and cared for more people and shared Jesus with more people and we prayed for more people and we loved more people and we saw Jesus do a work in more people. There's nothing our God can't do. So let's go. Let's just charge hell wide open. But some of you today would say, well, Chuck, I, I don't know if that spirit of God is alive and well in me or not. Then settle that today. Don't wait. Don't ponder. 
just say, well, I, I don't know if I've felt that spirit of God in my life or not, but I want to settle that. And you say, well, Chuck, how do I get this spirit of God? How do I know he can well up inside of me and do those things? All you got to do is trust him with your life. But the fact that he died and was buried and rose from the dead for you. The Bible says you don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to dress some certain way or talk some certain way. The Bible just says call on the name of the Lord. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't even know what that means, call on the name of the Lord. It's, it's this simple. Jesus, I trust you. I need you. Step into my heart. And I promise you, he'll know what you're saying. You don't have to figure out the right words. There's, there's, there's no motto. There's no secret handshake. He just loves you. And he loves you no matter where you're at and who you are. Let's pray. God, I believe there's folks online and folks in this room who might say, I need that. I need to settle that in my heart. And Lord, if anybody's here today or online watching, then step into their heart and hear their, hear their cry. Hear them as they call out your name. And if they're worried about what to say, then Lord, just give them the courage quietly in their own heart to say, Jesus, I'm calling on you. Hear me. Maybe there's folks here or online that say, well, you know, Chuck, I've, I've been a Jesus follower for years and years. But I guess I've just let the world beat me down and I've forgotten the joy that's found in allowing the Spirit of God to turn up in my life. And I want to be used by God to do something. Then, Lord, speak into their life. Hear them as they call out your name. And God, just enliven their spirit and let them turn loose and find the joy of of serving you and loving you and walking with you. God, we trust you today. There's, there's nothing that's too great for you. There's nothing that can overcome you. You have already beaten everything. You beat Satan. You beat death. You beat the grave. You beat sin. You beat it all. God, let us line up underneath you. We're your church. We want to follow your lordship. We want to follow under your head. We want to be with you. We want to see you do great and mighty works in and around us. We want to trust you to step into our heart and change our life and our community and our country. God, let us walk away from all the foolishness of this world and simply get in line with you. So, Lord, we, we come to you in desperation today that we need you, for there's nothing too powerful. There's nothing greater. There's nothing you can't do. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord before we go. Stand on up. Come on, let's worship our guts out here for a minute. Zach, let's sing that song, man. I love that new song. Let's sing it a little bit. You want to move a little bit? Move a little bit. It's so good to know that I just sing it out. he calms the storms that surround yeah. us and that he's the one who gives us hope. He's the yeah. one who gives us a reason to sing. Yeah. So we invite you to sing this new song again with us. Yeah. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds Amen. me. Amen. Come on, church. Just one word. Come on, church. Darkness has to retreat. Come on, church. Sing it with us. Just one touch. Yeah. I feel the presence of heaven. Woo! Come on. Just one touch. Yeah. There's nothing that a God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. 
house lights up a little bit. I want to see y'all. Now, some of you grew up in a church like me. So before you go, I want to get you ready for next week. So uh, just put one hand right here. Just go ahead. It won't kill you, I promise you. Put one hand like this. Put the other one like this. Now watch this. You don't even have to move. You don't even have to move. All right, now watch this, y'all. There is nothing our God can't do. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. So when you leave here today, go ahead and get that Operation Christmas Child box and get after it. Get out there this week and let Jesus go in front of you because he is in the business of straightening out your path and taking your crooked path and making it his. That's what he does. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because listen, he is always good and you are always loved. I love that part. And man, when life is just beating you up and it just feels like the world has fallen on your shoulders, let him come behind you and pick you up cradle you in his big old strong arms and walk you not around the problem right through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear your savior say this eyeball to eyeball my child say it with me i love you god bless you y'all go in peace